Hi, this is Chaos Garner, and you are listening to the Solo Nerdboy Podcast. And today I want to talk about my time at the Baltimore Book Fest in downtown Baltimore at the Inner Harbor and Columbus Center, right behind the aquarium near the Mickey Pavilion. It used to be the, I think, Pier Pavilion, Pier something Pavilion, but then they changed it to the Mickey Pavilion. So on Friday, I arrived early in the afternoon before the 2 p.m. panel I wanted to attend. While I waited, I walked around and got a feel for the layout of the vendors and where the stages were for the specific panels that I wanted to sit in later on on Friday and on uh, Saturday. And it was freezing outside. It was windy as crap. Like, I almost really caught a cold. I've never sneezed so much. I sneezed more Friday afternoon and Friday evening than I probably did all year. And I definitely didn't dress for the weather. You can tell I'm not used to being uh, outside like as much as I used to. I used to commute to work via the public transit. Like, I haven't ridden a train or taken a bus in a really long time since I worked so far away. But I totally forgot what it was like to be out there and um, dressing for the weather. Like, coat, hat, scarf, gloves. Normally, I just get in my car and go. But anyway, most people that attended the first day on Friday were school children, school children on the field trip. Only the vendors on the main strip were there until you reached the uh, Charm Comic Pavilion right in front of the Science Center. Um, and everything else beyond that was pretty much dead. Like, a lot of the other uh, vendors beyond that, their tents weren't even... They were, like, still closed in or they were completely empty on the inside. I guess they were waiting until Saturday, like, Saturday morning to set everything up before it really started around Saturday uh, afternoon. Um, in the meantime, I did get to meet and even interview a writer and illustrator. His name is Randy Budham. Uh He's from Baltimore, but the first time I had actually heard about him was on the Baltimore Book Fest Instagram story. I was interested in him and his work because uh, he writes stories introducing Muslim young adult characters in a format most readers, even myself, aren't familiar with. And other writers may be too afraid to convey. So here's that interview with him that he so graciously granted me. All right, can you just, just say who you are and if you have a different name from your pen name and then like what your um, your series of comics is about? Okay. So my name is Randy Boudram. I'm a self-published author. I mean, do you have a separate pen name? With oh, no, it's the same. It's same. Same. Randy. Okay, so what is your comic series about? So, well, it's a book, it's a but book I do the illustrations in uh-huh. it. Um, it's called Return of the Sapphire Dragon Ninja. It's a legacy of Yardaron's short story. Um, legacy of Yardaron is basically the main series that I write. It's uh, one timeline, and it is different stories across time. Uh-huh. So this one, Return of the Sapphire Dragon Ninja, that one follows the story of two ninjas trying to save their village from a resurrected demon who's wreaking havoc across Japan. So they go on this mission, and then they, you know, eradicate the evil. Uh-huh. So. And what got you started writing and uh, drawing? So I've been I've been doing this since I was seven, uh-huh. and I've always wanted to create my own story, especially since I was inspired by media like TV shows, movies, um, anime, and video games, and all that stuff. So I wanted to create a story based on what I liked about it or what I didn't like about it, and these just came to mind. Okay, and I understand that you are Muslim and you study Islam, so 
does any of this conflict with your religion and your culture or do you, do you kind of just write it to go along with that so it doesn't really conflict with anything? So, yes, it actually incorporates it in it. That's what differentiates this from regular fantasy is that I incorporate Islam into my stories in order to bring a better light to it despite what the media might show about it. So I wanted to incorporate young adult fantasy and make the characters and the lifestyle Islamic. Oh, that's cool. Because the only like Muslim character that I know of is um I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Riordan in the um the Nordic series that he's doing yeah, with yeah, yeah. yeah you do you know um Samira Al Abbas? That's the only one she wears a the hijab. Red, is it the Red Pyramid? No, that's the Kane twins. It's the Magnus Chase one that she's in. And okay. she's the Valkyrie that kind of takes him to Valhalla. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he kind of dabbles in it. He doesn't go too far into it, I guess, so it doesn't offend anybody. Yeah, yeah. But being here with you and seeing your work, I mean, you being an actual Muslim and studying Islam, I guess you, you would give a better perspective. Yeah. And that's not stereotypical from with most other people who aren't Muslim who don't study Islam. Yeah. You know, even though they're trying to incorporate and be more inclusive with um, people who are Muslim, but you are actually Muslim, so you're actually doing, I guess, yeah. doing a better job of it. Yeah, I try to do a better job of it, especially, like, in my stories, I incorporate, like, the Arabic terms of it, and then I try and use them the best that I can. Uh -huh. um, you know, I'm, st I'm always still learning, so if any mishaps, I always put a disclaimer at the beginning to not offend anybody. It's used to the best of my ability. So, but I do incorporate that and its definitions so that people, English speakers or whoever reads it, understands what it's about. That's cool. Are you from Baltimore? Or are yeah. you in area up there? Are you going to be anywhere else other than the fest anytime soon or um, this year? I don't plan to be because um, I'm just like, after this book fest, I plan to just focus on like marketing and networking, like how they have like some stuff downtown with uh, these book clubs and stuff like Maryland writers and stuff like that. So I'm just going to focus on that for 2020, but I'll still have my works available. You know, it's always on Amazon or Wattpad for people to read. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Okay, so where can people find you as far as, um, like, a website or social media pages? Yep. Well, actually, on the bookmark, there's my social media. There's my Wattpad if you want to read my stories before they get published. And then, obviously, on Amazon, they have the final version, which is has the illustrations, it has everything inside of it, and then I also have a website in the making, but you can still access it still, and then Patreon if you want to fund that, but um, yeah, I have various social media dedicated to that. Okay, well, I think I really appreciate it. No problem, thanks for meeting you. Okay, again, that was Randy Buham. Thank you for, for that uh, interview, Randy. And his latest work that is currently out is Return of the Sapphire Dragon Ninja. I will be tagging him and his, all of his work in so various social media pages under my various social media pages. And I will be tagging those pages under uh, the uh, description of... Um, of this podcast so just to let you know and excuse my repetition of the words muslim and islam in reference to randy and his characters and his writings writings and illustrations but i wanted to emphasize the difference between the two terms but again i thank you to randy for speaking with me and answering my questions so afterwards i sat in on a panel titled black fathers are our superheroes a discussion on positively changing the narrative of black fatherhood in america the panel interested me because in my last podcast, I spoke with Nori McAdams from Burning Spear Comics about his portrayal of black men and black fathers in his artwork visually, whereas this was more in a literary format. 
where Nori wanted to show the positive effects of having a strong male father figure in his life since childhood, these men, uh, Stephen McGill II, Sherman Barksdale, Kenji Jackson, and Glenn Morning, went into explicit detail about the negative effects of no father or a poor father figure during their upbringing, but also insisting on shifting the narrative of black fathers than what's portrayed in the media, uh, whether that's movies, television, music, or even in social media, after their own experience as active fathers, educators, and community activists. I recorded the panel and will publish at a later date, but um, I encourage you to research these writers and activists and to possibly, if you can, purchasing and just sharing their work. Uh, later, I sat in on Pinky Cole's chef panel in the Columbus Center. Again, that's uh, behind the aquarium right next to the pavilion. It used to be like a roof crisp back there, but it's also where they... Um, Right next to it is where like a concert hall, but it's like an outdoor concert hall. But um, she's the CEO and founder of Slutty Vegan, based in Atlanta, Georgia, spe uh, specializing in vegan comfort food. It was a short panel, but um, it was inside and it allowed me to defrost my frozen hands and uh, clear out my runny nose. But uh, while she cooked, she described how. She first started her vegan business venture after leaving New York City for Atlanta because the Jamaican restaurant she previously owned just randomly went up in flames overnight. She said, you know, I woke up one day and my restaurant was in flames. They completely burned to the ground. I'm sure there's more to this story and I'm not sure if her Jamaican restaurant served vegan food as well, but with her loyal following, I wouldn't... Uh, Put it, I wouldn't be surprised if these are the same customers that followed her journey regardless whether it was vegan or not. Because from what I can tell, I mean, I didn't get to taste any of the food. It was only, uh, she, I guess she only brought enough, like a sample for one person to taste. And from what I could tell, it was delicious. So hopefully one day she'll open one up here or I'll be able to go to uh, the one in Atlanta or possibly uh, get a taste from their food truck at some point. But yeah, it looked really, really good. I was hoping for one, but since I was so hungry. But anyway, um, I was also pleasantly surprised that uh, Pinky is actually from Baltimore, where she attended Western High School. And another plus for a fellow vegan like me, she gave a little tip on how to melt vegan cheese quicker since it doesn't melt like regular dairy cheese. She simply just suggested to add a little bit of salt to the water when you steam uh the cheese and that really just honestly that changed my life <laughs> it's like uh, uh like a huge eye-opener just that simple that small little trick just just it was like a game changer for me because i that was one of the reasons why i hated vegan cheese was that it didn't melt right it kind of just stayed flat and straight like it didn't melt but now I know, and I've been using the trick ever since. And it, like I said, it just, it really just changed my life. But anyway, on Saturday, that was just jam packed full of panels. It was pretty much the same thing that happened with Baltimore Comic Con, where I kind of just walked around and got a feel for everything on Saturday. But Sunday, that was when I really just went in and did all the things that I really wanted to do, or at least most of them. So I went to only three panels. 
when they were all in the same building, thank God, because like I get, like I said, it was freaking freezing outside. I guess being closer to that water like that, and even with the crowds of people, it's it was still freezing. But yeah, they were all in the same building in the um, Columbus Center building, the same one where uh, the uh, Pinky Cole panel was being held at. Um, but it, I went to three of them, and they were all an hour long. But I didn't go to all three of them back to back. There was an hour in between each one of them. And it made the day go by faster. Which I thought was uh, really, great, really great. And these people are giving advice. And uh, willing to share their experiences. And thought process with creating their work and lives for free. So I thought I'd just take advantage of it. Just by The whole thing is free. I don't know what they do to pay these uh writers and illustrators and what have you but i i took full advantage of it right first up was the fiction and other forms audio serial interactive and more panel i missed the first about maybe 10 minutes of it and didn't think it was appropriate to record in the middle of a panel with no real context of what the people were talking about the panel was pretty much about fiction and other forms beside the traditional physical written format. Uh, panelists Brittany Claus, Brad Spoon from book, their, uh, the BookTube channel Audio Shelf Me. And um, they're also, I believe they're audiobook voice actors, which I didn't know until they explained it in the panel. Uh, Day Muhammad. Aaron Roberts, Nino Capri, and I apologize, I'm about to, uh, I may be about to mispronounce this, mispronounce this woman's names, Nibedita Sin. So those are the panelists, and they discussed how certain works of fiction, whether it was theirs or, or not, can be presented in a non-traditional and, uh, what are the positive okay so non-traditional format and the negative and po positive aspects of doing so the next panel i went to was called blind sword fighters and wheelchairs in or well, i should say on spaceships making space for disability the panelists here included again day Muhammad, um elsa junson I should say, oh, I'm sorry, Elsa Soonson Henry, Anne Blackfield, Sonny Moraine, Victoria Lee, and A.T. Greenblatt. They discussed their personal experiences as people with both visible and invisible disabilities and including characters in their works with similar disabilities. They were basically saying to treat people and portray those with disabilities as functional productive members of society and not those who are in need of a cure or some kind of handout. They want other writers and readers to understand that people with disabilities make adjustments to the real world around them and everyone's conditions and adjustments are different. They also despise the, I guess the quote unquote, cure-all narratives because there was never any real cost along with the cure. Elsa described how if there was a cure for her blindness, something that has affected her since infancy, she would have to relearn everything, including walking. Victoria suggested if there was a cure for her chronic illness, 
would the side effects be worse than the symptoms from her illness and would it be worth it? Uh, I also made sure to record this, like be on time and record this panel and I'll be publishing that in a later date as well. The last panel I attended was called Nobody Wins the Game of Thrones. Making, I'm sorry, moving beyond monarchy and fantasy, including panelists Robert V.S. Reddick, Aaron Roberts, once again, Daniel M. Ford, Scott H. Andrews, and Alex Horseman, moderated by Natasha D. Lane. It was pretty much about, as the title suggested, moving past the monarchy theme and fantasy, as I should say, um, a writer could focus on, they suggested a writer could focus on uh, the farm boy who needs a way to provide for his family through a harsh winter or um, an unforgiving drought or a young blacksmith whose mentor just died and he has to find a way to pay for food, to feed himself and pay off his mentor's debts. Uh, possibly someone whom has previously worked for the king and queen but for whatever reason no longer does or even about someone in a role more influential than the king and queen but not as visible as uh, the, the king and queen are like the king and queen are figureheads basically but it's like uh, uh, the church has more influence on the people and the decisions through legislation than the actual king and queen do. Um, the authors provided loads of suggestions and advice on the subject matter. I recorded this panel as well in its entirety and will post again at a later date. Mind you, again, this was all free. The only money I spent was on some daggone Harry Potter merchandise I didn't initially realize was there until the last minute and more candles to add in my collection, but that's, that's totally different. Um, I regret not buying Randy's short story and another book called Broken Metropolis simply because that cover just captivated me and I'm looking for it now and I'm looking to get a physical copy because I would really like to read that, like hold it in my hands while I read it. I say all this because from what I understand, the authors pay their own money to get tents and tables and printed copies of their books to display at uh, these festivals with no profit in return other than what was uh, what we as attendees buy from them. Even if you're not interested in buying anything because you already have piles of books cluttering your house. I may be talking about myself on that one. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, I encourage everyone like I did to just go and walk around. And, and show your face as independent and local artists and authors is encouraging and morale boosting to see high turnouts at these events and uh, you never know you may be pleasantly surprised and find some gems like I did so that's pretty much my two days there at the Baltimore Book Fest again this has been KS Garner and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast thank you <laughs>